Welcome to Woman in Progress, the podcast for smart, successful, high-achieving women who are ready to choose themselves, stop following the shoulds, and have the audacity to create the perfectly imperfect lives they crave. I'm your host, Samantha Ushado, corporate leader by day, health mindset coach, and group fitness instructor by nights and weekends. I created this space for the seekers, the messy action takers, the women who are courageous enough to lean into discomfort in the name of growth and are willing to live life on purpose. So if you're ready to work on yourself for yourself, be an example of what's possible and meet other incredible women on the same journey, you're in the right place. Consider this your official invitation. Let's get to work. What's up, sweet friends? I'm back in your earbuds for another episode of the Woman in Progress podcast. What's poppin'? I'm feeling good. G-double-O-D. Okay, side note, (laughs) do you ever say things and then immediately realize they came from TikTok? I do it all the time. My friend Tiana and I always talk about this, and it's the most hilarious thing, but I digress. I am feeling good though. I taught two classes this morning, my last two classes before I head to Mexico for a week and a half. Y'all, I can already tell I'm going to be talking about this trip forever. Sorry, not sorry. It's wild because I discovered Christina Giroux back at the beginning of the panty around June-ish time, and she hadn't yet opened her spin studio power and flow yet and was filming free videos in her garage and posting them on YouTube. The day she announced she was opening her studio in... August 2020, I think it was, I knew I'd find a way to ride with her in real life. The power of manifestation, my friends. More on that soon. But today I want to talk about something different, (laughs) a career milestone that sort of snuck up on me, actually. I guess time really does fly when you're work from home in year three of a panorama. Is that the saying? I got an email earlier this week from WorkHuman. If you work in corporate, you probably know it as the social recognition software your company uses to allow employees to recognize and reward each other. Ringing a bell? Well, apparently it is my one year service anniversary and it's coming up on Thursday. It sort of feels surreal to think about it. In so many ways, it feels like life has been on pause for the last two years and then other times like it's flying by so quickly I can barely catch my breath. I can so acutely remember the feeling I felt in November 2019 when I crossed into Quebec from Ontario to start my new life as a learning and development manager after a 10-year career in sales. And then fast forward 18 months, and I'm making the decision to move back to Toronto and take a new position with a startup in a sales management role. And here we are one year later, still very much in a Pandora, and has it been one heck of a ride. Truth be told, I always thought I'd be a people manager one day, but I'm the kind of person who has high expectations for herself and always felt I needed to get to a certain level of mastery at each phase of my career before I could advance to the next one. In hindsight, I can see that while admirable in a number of ways, that this belief slowed my career progression. I'm grateful for every experience I've had, even the difficult ones, and know that I am the professional career woman and leader I am today because of them. Now, don't get me wrong. While I really, really love being a people manager, it has not been easy. Far from it. In preparation for getting into this role, I spoke to friends who are experienced people managers, read dozens of books, bought a subscription to HBR, listened to countless leadership podcasts, and Yet nothing could have prepared me for the realities of what it's actually like managing a team. 
I can say without a shadow of a doubt that this has been one of the hardest, most failure-ridden, and out-of-control years I've ever experienced. And also a year where I experienced the most growth, professional fulfillment, and pride in myself. Go figure, right? As I approached the one-year anniversary of moving into a people leader position, I wanted to make sure I looked back and reflected on how far I've come, the learnings I've accumulated along the way, and what I want to focus on for the next 12 months and beyond. I think it's so easy in our overwork culture to just keep looking forward to the next project or goal, but really something that I'm learning this year especially is that it is so important to conduct regular retrospectives to really slow down and reflect not only on what could be improved, but also what went well. So here are the lessons that I've learned from my first year as a people manager in no particular order, and there are six, but I promise you this is not an exhaustive list. I really didn't want to make this podcast an hour long. So maybe there'll be a part two down the road, but these are the six that I felt really encapsulated what I want to take from the last year as a people manager and build on for the next year. The first is you're going to make mistakes, lots of them. Despite talking to all the people, reading all the books and podcasts, and doing anything and everything I could to set myself up for success for the first 90 days on the job, I still made a lot of mistakes. I'm human, go figure, right? Looking back now, I realized that while my intent was there, my singular mission to get up to speed quickly and make sure that my team didn't feel negatively impacted by my lack of knowledge, experience, or political savvy that it actually robbed me of the opportunity to show them that I was an infallible human. I didn't set clear boundaries because I thought being available anytime my directs needed me and responding to all texts, voicemails, and emails the same day sent a clear message that I prioritized them above all else. In actual fact, this led me to drowning in work and not being able to complete my own work during regular business hours. Then I swung a little too far to the other end and was so boundaried that my directs felt like I was not available to help or support them. I've sent emails when I should have just picked up the phone, avoided difficult conversations in an effort to manage the other person's emotions, this never works by the way, and gotten impatient and frustrated when I'm asked to solve an issue for a team member that I believe they are more than capable of solving themselves. I've given incorrect information or guidance, not been mindful of my body language, and forgotten to upload countless attachments. (laughs) The one thing I will give myself full credit for is having a growth mindset and constantly asking for feedback, even when it's scary. Over the last year, I have regularly asked my directs for constructive and critical feedback in an effort to not only shorten my learning curve and focus my efforts, but to also become the best leader I can be. And truth be told, my goal is to create the kind of environment for my team to realize that learning and growing is a gift, not a sign of weakness or an admission of incompetence. I've embraced that my role as a leader is to go first, to be vulnerable, and to be open to criticism, judgment, doing it wrong, and making mistakes. It's taken time, and I know I still have a ways to go, but I have seen a huge shift in the trust of even my most skeptical employees as I've demonstrated my humanity, shown a willingness to not only take feedback, but act on it, and course correct as needed. I firmly believe that to become a great leader, you need motivation. You need to challenge yourself and embrace grit every day. Being a leader is not a sprint. It is a long distance event that helps you become a better leader, person, team member with every challenge you overcome and every opportunity you take advantage of. 
and sometimes that means you have to slow down to speed up. One of the central principles of coaching is to meet people where they are. The same is true for people management. Meeting someone where they are means bridging the gap between your own expectations and where the other person is coming from. It means intentionally listening to understand their values, needs, desires, and even their triggers or responses when under stress or overwhelm. As someone with very high expectations who manages a very experienced and tenured team of individuals, this is something I have had to actively work on every single day. My tendency is to move fast, be decisive, think 12 steps ahead, and assume everyone else does the same. However, I need to remind myself that part of the reason I have this job is because these same skill sets and attributes are not possessed by everyone, and so I need to find a way to walk alongside others rather than drag them with me up the hill or across the finish line. I know my intent is to help my directs grow their capabilities and operate at the level of their potential, but... In line with my next lesson, each person has different needs, experiences, and ways of working that must be understood in order to get there optimally. Listening actively, staying curious and out of judgment, and asking more open-ended questions are all ways that I'm intentionally and on purpose working to slow down and manage my own expectations for what should and should not happen. Ultimately, not everyone works like us, and I need to remember that my way isn't necessarily the best or only way. Learning to accept the limits of each person's capability today, having a growth mindset about what's possible, all while tapping into the unique gifts and strengths the individual brings to the team is what makes a cohesive and high-performing team. Having said that, not everyone is going to like you, and that's okay. I manage 12 people. That's 12 individuals coming from all walks of life and experiences. This is one of the most challenging aspects of the role that I've had to work on all year. Everyone needs different guidance, different structure, and different ways of being communicated with to perform at their best, and I'm still very much learning how to adapt and flex my management style to ensure I can interact with each team member in a productive way. Getting real for a second here, I'm actively working on having grace with myself with respect to this. There are 12 of them and one of me. It's inevitable that I'll have different relationships with each of them and that those who think and act similar to me will be somewhat easier to work with. My real work is in learning how to manage those who think, act, and respond differently to things than I do, and then learning how to get the best out of them. But more than that is having grace with myself when I get it wrong. It doesn't mean that anything's gone wrong. I just pick up and try again tomorrow. I accepted the opportunity with eyes wide open. My team of directs are all older than me, more tenured than me, and have not done the quote-unquote millennial job hopping I have in my career. In many ways, this gave me an edge, and in others, it made me a threat. Added to that, I don't believe in maintaining the status quo. I'm a challenger by nature and have a wealth of experience in my dozen or so years in corporate that have shown me that there are many different ways to do things. And as a result, I made some people uncomfortable with my ideas and how I viewed our team and how we contribute to the organization. I'm also not afraid to say what needs to be said because I adamantly believe that clear is kind. Personally, I've been lucky to have some excellent managers, but I've had a few managers in my career that were poor communicators and did not give me feedback or coaching in real time, which would have allowed me to perform better or differently. And I knew as a manager, I would rather engage in a difficult conversation that gave the other person an opportunity to become aware of their behavior or performance that doesn't meet expectations 
and co-create a path forward together rather than be blindsided during an end-of-year review. Ultimately, this type of radical candor has not always been received well by all of my team members. Go figure. This will be a major focus for me this year, both in being more skillful at delivering clear and kind feedback in a way that is more tailored to the individual I'm speaking to, and in coaching myself on how to respond when someone has an emotional reaction. In her book, Radical Candor, which I would highly, highly recommend, by the way, Kim Scott says, Criticism stings, and most of us get upset when we get stung. There's no way to say it so it won't hurt. The best you can do is react to the hurt with compassion, but without diluting the clarity of your message. Just because the other person reacted emotionally doesn't mean you failed to deliver the message properly. While it's true that you should not try to personalize when giving praise or criticism, for most of us, our work is personal. Our work is one of the most important ways that we express who we are and offer our talents to leave the world a little better than we found it. Most of us spend more time working than anything else we do in life. Since it comprises so much of our lives, it better be personal. If somebody gets upset or angry or defensive, it doesn't mean you failed in some way. It means they care about their work. That's a good thing. Your job is to react with compassion. And if you manage your own emotions, you're batting above average. And I love what she says here. While telling another person how to feel is way overstepping your role as manager, you can and should do everything you can to manage your emotions. A big part of being a manager is emotional labor. You have to react compassionately to other people's emotions without expecting them to do the same for you in return. This means it's really important to take care of yourself. Whatever it is you need to do to manage your own emotions get enough sleep, exercise, food, free time, whatever, make sure to do it. Which is a great segue into lesson number four. You need to put yourself at the top of your to-do list. As someone who is three parts overachiever and two parts control enthusiast, taking a break and prioritizing self-care, especially when I'm in an environment that has a steep learning curve, feels like an indulgence I can't afford. It's easy to look at my Outlook calendar, actually don't, it's totally wild, my emails and the mounting requests, approvals, deadlines, and notifications I'm faced with on a daily basis and feel beyond capacity and as if I just don't have time. At one point early on in this role, I was working 12-hour days, most weekends, and then waking up in the middle of the night so stressed out that the only way to calm my frenzied mind was to open my laptop to bang out some work. I know, I know, not good. The level of stress I was dealing with was activated at such a high level that it was impacting me mentally, emotionally, and physically. The thing is, I love to work. I have a high capacity for work, and I love the feeling of accomplishment that comes from driving outcomes and making an impact. But when it started getting to the point of negatively impacting my health night after night, I knew I needed to make a change. Whenever I would get a request, I would ask myself three questions. Is this urgent? Important? something I can delegate or delete. Just because something comes across my desk or a request is made, it doesn't mean it needs to be addressed or by me. I asked myself, how much time could I save by responding from a place of control rather than reacting from a place of stress? Let's just say my delete button is very well worn from deleting responses I've written in states of emotional reactivity. Yikes. (laughs) And the third question I would ask myself is, what is one thing you can choose to say no to that will give you some space to do the things that matter and free up more time for yourself? 
the first thing that was on the chopping block for me was teaching spin less. And this one was a big one for me. It was a hard decision to make, but in the end, it was the best thing I could have done to give myself more breathing room and still feel like I was able to show up for my full-time job, my team in the best way possible. I now start my days either with meditation, movement, or drinking coffee on the couch casually while listening to a podcast or audiobook. I start my day, my work day, around 8 a.m. and finish around 6 p.m. and completely shut off most of the time. (laughs) I no longer work on weekends and I take magnesium every night to help me get into the most relaxed state possible before I go to sleep. Now, I still think about work a lot but I am leaps and bounds ahead of where I was four to five months ago. And I take that as a big win. I used to think that I could just work harder in an effort to stay on top of things as that had been a really successful strategy that I'd always employed when starting new jobs or taking on new projects. But I quickly learned what got you here won't get you there. Lesson number five. Throughout my career as an individual contributor, I was consistently a top performer. I won sales awards, went on incentive trips, and was often recognized for my results and contributions within my team. I prided myself on working hard, taking on ever-increasing workloads, and being someone who was known to execute with excellence. But I learned very quickly upon starting my job managing a team that if I wanted to do my leadership job effectively, I would be exercising a vastly different set of skills on a daily basis than what I was exercising as an individual contributor when I was a sales rep or as a learning and development manager skills I hadn't yet developed and was unaware of. You see, my job was not to be a sales rep. My job was not really to be a manager. My job was to be a multiplier. I exist in this role to remove roadblocks and eliminate interruptions for the people I work with. I exist to listen to people, not just hear them, to build relationships and trust, to deliver bad news, to resolve conflict in a just way. I exist to think about the bigger picture, ask provoking and sometimes difficult questions, and relate the big picture back to something meaningful, tangible, and actionable to the team. I exist to advocate for the team, to promote the group and individual achievements, to gaze into unconstructive criticism and see the underlying motivations, and sometimes even just give up control and make sacrifices I'm uncomfortable or disagree with. I exist to make systemic improvements with the help of the people that I work with. I truly, truly believe I am capable of being a great manager. I mean, I was hired despite my lack of experience because my boss saw potential in me and had the vision to see what I was capable of. And she also knew as I came to realize very quickly the scope of my lack of skill, especially in those first months, but also to this day. And she gave me the opportunity anyway. By being elevated into a position of leadership, I was granted a responsibility over people's happiness and well-being. I know that it is imperative for me to develop skills and help grow my team in the same direction in order to create a positive experience that will last with these people and for their entire careers. And I don't take that lightly. Everything I do will be analyzed and dissected, sometimes fairly, sometimes not. But regardless, I had to and still continue to have to be willing to see this as a learning opportunity to push myself, develop new skills, and fully embrace this career change and the responsibility that comes with it. Which brings me to my final lesson. You have to invest in yourself. One of the single best things I did early on in this career transition was hire a coach. I knew I wanted someone dedicated to helping me make this transition as smooth as possible 
and support me as I encountered new experiences, navigated difficult situations, and throughout all the unknowns. Honestly, having a person who can serve as an unbiased sounding board who also calls you out (laughs) on your ish and challenges you to consider things differently is truly invaluable. My coach was also constantly reassuring me that virtually all my experiences were common, that everyone, even the senior star managers, encountered difficult situations and employees, and that it was okay to feel frustrated, angry, and lonely in this role. We set development goals from day one around developing my personal leadership style, showing up with intention and impact in every interaction, effectively communicating my thoughts, ideas, and opinions to build influence, and also how to self-manage during difficult conversations and interactions. I credit so much of my growth and development over the last year to making the decision to hire a coach and putting in the hard work to learning the skills, but most of all, mindsets that were needed for me to show up as a leader and make the impact I most want to make in this organization. I believe in coaching so deeply because time and time again, I have been the recipient of the tremendous impact it has had in my own life, And that is why I'm so passionate about working with smart, successful, high-achieving women who feel like they want to level up some part of their life and despite doing everything right, still feel like they aren't getting the results they want. Maybe you're feeling stuck, stagnant, and are dealing with the same situation and issues and are ready for something bigger. That's where I come in. We can talk about where you're feeling stuck and chart a path forward to a place where you have clarity and actually see the results rather than just talk about them. So if you're ready to make changes that actually change things, I want you to book a consult with me to experience my coaching one-on-one and learn how I help women just like you. The link in my calendar is in the show notes and spots are limited. So if this is resonating with you, I want you to make the decision to jump on a call with me. It may just be the best investment you'll ever make. Now I can speak from experience and tell you that change takes time and you get there faster with the support of people who have hands on your back every step of the way. My journey will look different than yours. Every path will look different. There is no single right way to lead. Maybe you aren't even a people leader and perhaps you have no interest in leading a team. But what about leading yourself and influencing the important people in your life? I'd wager many of these lessons still apply, especially if you consider yourself to be a woman in progress. My hope is that as you've listened to these six lessons, that one or more struck a chord with you and either gave you permission to be human challenged your thinking, or made you nod your head with a knowing that part. One year into my career change and transition from individual contributor to manager, I can say without a doubt, it has been worth it. Worth it, but certainly not easy. I have made plenty of mistakes, have prioritized incorrectly, showed up less than powerfully, and hurt people accidentally. But here's the thing. So has everyone else. No one else has this nailed. Nobody steps into a new role and nails it on the first try. Even the best managers are constantly learning, adapting, growing, improving. There's no magical endpoint or final destination to reach. So we might as well enjoy the journey, roll with the punches, collect experiences, and become more of who we are meant to be in the process. If it was easy, everyone would do it. So maybe, just maybe, it was all supposed to happen this way. Maybe I really can do hard things and maybe I'm on the right track and I'm doing a pretty great job. So here's to another year of learning, failing, growing, and evolving as a woman in progress. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of the woman in progress podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? Don't worry. The conversation doesn't stop here. 
Follow me at Samantha Ushado on Instagram and be sure to let me know what part of the episode resonated with you most. I love hearing from you. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Until next time, here's to being a woman in progress.